Alrighty, welcome back to the Foxhole. Playoff weekend, getting ready to kick off within an hour. Fox trying to get a Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 24, Number 88 overall. Who are we giving shout-outs to this week? The legendary Alan Page. All the great Cowboys that wore the 88. Since they're not in the playoffs, I guess I can give them some love. <laughs> not going to give Dale Earnhardt Jr. We got something to say about that. Anyway, I'll be thinking of great 88s as the episode goes along. Thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com and Mixkit for providing us with the wonderful theme music and other tunes that we use throughout these podcasts. Thank the folks at Road and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation. Thank the sponsors of the show. You want to help sponsor the show? Help us grow a little bit more. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Faithful host Ken Harlan here. Definitely an overcast, gray, cold day. But hey, it's playoff Saturday. So let's get rocking here, folks. The COVID Chronicles. Yeah, another crazy week as far as uh, COVID is concerned. And, you know, there's so many mixed messages going out, you know, right? Some people dropping their mask mandates and vaccine mandates. And if you're boosted this, if not, there may be another variant you know, that's mutating off of Omicron on and on. The CDC, in fact, this week, I mean, this is, in terms of like mixed messages as far as the wackiness in COVID land, I mean, didn't the CDC recommend schools abandon extracurricular activities like, you know, sports and band and that sort of thing? I sort of thinking, yeah, that's exactly what, you know, parents who are already on the edge want to hear as far as taking sports away. Not sure if anybody's going to follow the CDC's recommendation, especially when, you know, everything else seems to be tilting otherwise. Of course, in the sports world, where, as we pointed out, usually mirrors life in, or reality, started over there first what we're seeing in reality. Um, everybody in my circle seems to have it this week, right, or last week, uh, as far as this, locally the spread of, of Omicron in, in Eugene. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know why. We'll, we'll, we'll be really curious to see what happens there. I can't see, you know, high schools, and even the lower schools going back at this point and not playing sports, given, you know, the, the rough ride that kids have had in 2021. Got to give them something to do and let them get their frustrations out. Um, okay, a little ramble there. Um, and let's see here, as far as the Olympics that we've been talking about for a while, as far as, you know, we think it's going to be a crap fest for reasons that we can go on all day about. But I thought it was going to be interesting when they said this week, you know, the organizers, and I guess you'd call that the Beijing Olympic Organizing Committee, they plan to offer Olympic tickets to select groups. And I thought... Okay, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> Select groups. You're not letting any foreigners come into the country. Last up I checked, um, you know, does that mean 
people in the party. Um, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on that. But as you know, I keep saying, I don't want it to be a train wreck. I just think the way things are progressing with Omicron, how the hell could it not be? All right. But hey, I'm no expert here. Another interesting development that happened in COVID land this week was with UCL. Yeah. UCL. What is UCL for those folks who might not know what I'm talking about with all these acronyms I'm talking about? But UEFA Champions League. Yes, that UEFA Champions League. The big deal as far as club soccer competitions go. They say that if countries like France have, which apparently have new regulations about unvaxxed players, players will have to follow the regulations established in those countries, meaning Chelsea and Real Madrid, who have to come to France, for example, as far as their two-way ties concerning the, the knockout round. So if they have anybody unvaxxed, they ain't getting into France, apparently. And there's a couple other countries where that is going to be the case as well. Stay tuned to see how this plays out. You know, we're already seeing something similar as far as Kyrie being the ward war, the road warrior, not being able to play at home. Um, you know, speaking of the beautiful game life, I mean, I'm always talking about what the hell is going on over in Paris. Now we see that their goalkeeper, you know, sharing time with Mr. D, but that Mr. Novice, yes, indeed, Kalar. He has picked up COVID for the second time within a year. And I always wonder, are y'all enjoying the Paris night a little too much? I mean, hooking up with those cuties that, um, whatever the case may be, it just seems that the amount of cases that, you know, seem to happen with this PSG squad, it's beyond alarming. It's just like, what, are you, what kind of party are you guys doing? And, you know, they always say that the stars do run that club. Well, obviously, because nobody seems to be following whatever health and safety protocols that should be in place. Okay, trying something else here. Um, you know, one more thing as far as, you know, the beautiful life, beautiful game life goes. You know, we talk about Mr. Abu, Mr. Abu Miang. That's right. That guy formerly of Dortmund and always hot water with Arsenal. Well, he was over there in the in ACON, the Africa Cup of Nations, and he had to pull out because of complications from his bout with COVID. As we told you last week, with people having those temporary heart issues, and you're finding that in a lot of these athletes. Why Leo Messi, for example, took a while to come back. I guess he's going to be featured in tomorrow's uh, fixture. But yeah, he's been out for a couple of weeks, and other people as well. So it's something that you know we're going to try to get a little bit more data on and find out, do a deeper dive on, as we seem. This seems to be a problem, you know, not as widespread as I thought it might be, maybe a week or two ago, but it's something that we definitely want to keep an eye on. Colleges, even though I would have to think that they're probably running at seventy to eighty percent normal, there are programs that are still having. Major outbreaks, as we see, as we saw this past week with the um, University of California at Berkeley's women's hoops team having to shut down basketball operations. Major outbreak going there. Oh, yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the ongoing struggles of Mr. Joker. 
And we ain't talking about the basketball player. We talking about the tennis player. That guy, you know, with all those Grand Slam titles and all that drama in Australia. Well, the air in Australia just said, no way, Jose. As I just mentioned with France, he might have a trouble getting in France. But of course, Mr. Joker says, well, you hurt my feelings and all the duress. I'm going to sue you for $4.5 million. Well, that, you're already money bag, so I just guess, you know, this is just going to be an interesting... Yeah, I can just do this because I'm mad at you. Or you can get vaxxed and just deal with it. You know, obviously, like so many other people... Hi, A.B. Tried to fudge it. Hey, A-Raj. No. That's the price you have to pay to compete. As you know me, I'm never going to sit here on the soapbox and tell you what you should do, but call it tyrannical or not, that is what is going to be required to compete. We told you this a year ago, year and a half ago, this is what it was going to come down to. And so some of these guys, even a big name like Mr. Joker, you know, right? It doesn't get bigger than him. You know, obviously, he was going to try to break the record. And I know the organiza the, organiza the organizers of the Aussie Open not feeling it. Uh, speaking of people that don't want to deal with this, what do you think about Kyrie in his press conference really basically doubling down, you know, on why he refuses to get vaxxed? You know, for me... Like I said a minute ago, it's, you know, it's your choice, but understand the consequences. And apparently he has, but I like what many commentators have also pointed out, that they better win with this experiment because there's no way Brooklyn's going to put up with having a part-time player. Because guess what? We're going to be dealing with this stuff come next season. I mean, I can't see us not being in that position, especially, you know, if true to form, this thing keeps mutating and we have to keep getting boostering and all that kind of stuff. Another interesting thing, you know, of, of a league that's been going flip-flop, flippity flip-flop, the NHL is basically going to stop testing asymptomatic players after the All-Star break. Okay? Meaning that if you're getting a positive test and you're asymptomatic, we're not going to test you and play. I'm not sure exactly what the hell you mean by that. You know, as far as on the personal, on the personality side, I thought it was interesting for that Stephen A. came out and said that his COVID battle was very rough. Praises the vaccine. This is for all you people, Kyrie, including this. This shit is no joke. And I told you about my struggles with it that I had in 2020. Yes. And as I'll say a million times again, pretty much everybody I knew, other than a handful, somehow came down with it in the last two weeks. Um, then you've got the OutKick crowd and their conspiracy with the NFL and why the NFL, all of a sudden there's no COVID, there's no... Well, maybe because the NFL, like I keep saying, these things seem to like echo, mirror society and maybe it backing up the NFL is a good sign for the general population. The, the general population, especially... As you know, we get out of January. You know, obviously February is a cold month as well, but we're moving closer to the warmer months. You know, springtime. Not there yet, but hey. 
Um, but yeah, like some of the conspiracies that they were dropping, I was just kind of like, huh? And then you've got the NFL that announced today that it will no longer do daily testing for unvaccinated players. Okay. So does that mean if they don't have symptoms or they have symptoms, but they're not telling you and they can get everybody sick? How is that all going to quite work out? I'm not really sure as far as that goes, but again, as I was saying a second ago, the OutKick crowd has hopped on that as well. Said that the NFL is constantly moving the goalpost. Guess what, OutKick, OutKick wackos? The goalposts have continually moved. They expected to move a few more times. Not even a few more times. However long it takes us to get through this and get to a better place as far as not being, I don't know, what's the word I would look for as far as this goes? I mean, not, not living on the edge as we have been, you know, since spring of 2020. Because we still are living on the edge, even though some folks are saying the hell with it. Okay, folks, we got a lot into that segment. As you know, COVID always munching on the clear and clean, cream like M&Ms, drinking the HGH like punch in the nightclubs, in the stadiums, in the bars, in the supermarkets, in the schools, but not on your internet. Okay, folks, we'll be back with the 43K view on the other side. Okay, welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 24, Number 88 overall. Okay, we see you out there, Michael Irvin. City love, but you got to give, you know, Michael Irvin and Drew Pearson Hall of Famers their, you know, their love as far as that goes. Okay. So it's kind of early, so I think we'll lay off the adult beverages. You know, it is playoff Saturday, but um, yeah, I think we'll just stick to uh, a little a little monster. No, foggy. We'll just take the drone, and we're just gonna sit back here and watch the pregame. And uh, anyway, it's time to take the high view over campus, the drone view this week. So what do we have to say about what's going on on campus? There's a lot. Maybe this segment won't be as long as it has been in recent weeks. You know, when college football winds down and we get into the winter and spring sports, you know, which, I don't know, I guess we can sit there and talk about that. Maybe I'll work on that as far as getting a correspondent to sit there and give me some, you know, data. We want to get some more personalities on this podcast. Right, we're working towards that always, and you know I think this as, the, as it warms up, this things in FTI and FX land will as well. Okay, enough babbling. NCAA revises its constitution and gives more power to the three divisions. Good thing or not? Well, I don't know if it's a good thing or not. 
I think that NCAA, for one, it's been losing its grip on the amount of power it can use to enforce its rules on basically the Power Five, right? Because the Power Five is its own cartel and basically tells the NCAA, well, I might, I might follow your guidelines if I want to. And a lot of the adjustments that they've had to make, and I think, you know, where this is maybe a good thing. What applies to Power Five doesn't apply to 1AA or, or Division Three. Right, the monetary rules. Let's face it, ain't no Division Three school gonna come up with a million bucks like Eastern Michigan d- did, or in its attempt to uh, lure Caleb Williams there. That ain't gonna happen. And I think that there's other things on the table as well, as far as the fight with uh, what to do with transgender athletes, especially some of these men who now are competing against girls and you know, kicking ass, which I think is absolutely, you know, we're not, go- we're not going there. But I do like that the NCAA is trying to address that. I don't know how that's going to play out in the courts, but, you know, you take it, I mean, we're trying to be proactive. The landscape has changed, as we've been saying for the, you know, since this podcast started. You know, that, you know, that right when that when this podcast started was when you started to see all the, the, the unrest from the spring of 2020 sort of crystallize into many movements. And these movements have brought about, you know, some drastic changes. And I think the NCAA with this move, as far as, you know, revising its constitution and sort of spreading the autonomy out a little bit more and trying to be more realistic as far as the situations that face especially the, you know when you look at the different divisions okay um a survey of Clemson players yes those Clemson Tigers <clears throat> reveals they are not in favor of more games so in other words they don't want to expand the playoff either and there's more signs coming from the actual kids, which I thought was kind of interesting, but I was hoping somebody would bring some sanity to the table. You know, at some point, right, the student part and athlete, when do you get to be the student with all these extra games and the preparation that goes into it? And as I keep saying... When are the regular students going to put their foot down and push back? But no, they're too busy. Like, well, if I get to the nanny, we can go party down at SoFi when it's there, wherever the hell it's going to be. And, you know, have our pictures on IG and make TikTok videos with our girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever the case may be. I don't know. But, right, you, I love that players are sort of sitting there like going, oh, hell no. I don't really want to deal with extra games. And. It's kind of interesting, as we've talked about in the previous weeks, where this, is, as far as expansion goes, is that a stalemate. And there's a myriad of issues as far as what they have to bind through. I mean, is anybody going to argue about extra football games, you know, playoff games? Hell no. Whether it makes sense and... You know, where does it start to get in the way 
of the, of the mission of what this is supposed to be about. You know, the whole you know, at some point, even if they are you know independent contractors for the university, you know, going to school is part of the part of the equation. And if you don't provide opportunities for that, okay. Anyways, I mean, preserving the status quo may not be a bad thing. Sure, it's got its flaws, but it makes more sense than, you know, right? I say whole lot of expansion and, and tend to some of the problems that you have going on as far as, like, maybe getting that NIL and, uh, you know, other forms of compensation kind of figured out in the transfer portal. So, once again, Kirk, Kirk Ferenc. Causing, you know, bringing, making questionable optics, shall we say. Apparently he, remember we talked about this whole issue with Iowa last year and some of the issues that, you know, players of color, mainly African-Americans, who felt, you know, alienated by his program. You know, somehow that kind of got smoothed or he was extended. But apparently when one of the diversity groups said he should be ousted, he used his power to get that group disbanded. Um, I read a little bit into this. Still don't quite understand, you know, why he felt the need to uh, mute that group. You know, maybe because he has been re-upped, that he's kind of feeling a little bit, he's feeling a little bit frisky or something, but not a really good optic when you're trying to make yourself be a little bit more inclusive. And you have to look at the brass that extended him, because now with this happening, you got a feeling the SJWs are going to come out with the slings and arrows and basically say, yeah, dude, we're coming for you. We'll be keeping an eye on that. we got one of our friends who's supposed to come on the other podcast at some point. He's a big Hawkeye booster. Maybe we'll get his thoughts and get some commentary on that. Anyways, another thing we can follow up on. Remember the whole remember the whole Dan Lanning, Mario Cristobal exit, Dan Lanning entry. Supposedly Josh Wilcox was in the mix and was offered the job, which I still don't believe. But I do find it interesting that the University of California at Berkeley, where he coaches is extending him through 2027. That's impressive. Given, you know, he's been okay. He's been, I, I think he's done a fairly decent job in that program, you know, given its limitations, as we always talk about, you know, UCLA and Berkeley, because they can, you know, stick their chest out on their academic reputation. They don't have to play the nuclear game as far as having... The, the most the most weapons and the coolest facilities to compete for the athletic prizes. You know, they get those research dollars and say, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, we're, we cool. We cool with that. And for them to commit to, to Mr. Wilcox to 2027, I think it's very impressive. And that says the job that he's done there. And the way I always saw it, that whatever happens with Lanning, by that time, if he wanted to come back home, he will have done, hopefully, enough at Cal to where it would make sense for, for a team like Oregon to maybe look at him again, especially if he was offered the job this time. But who knows? Just good for him. Okay. Another crazy thing, huh? How about, we talked last week about Mr. Die, that right, you know, that workhorse for the for the Oregon Ducks. 
in the transfer pool. Portal. Boy, always have trouble with those words. Apparently, he is on his way to USC. Yeah, USC. Of course, that makes the hair on the most Ducks fans next stand up. He said that him and his lady wanted to start their life in Southern California. He's obviously got connections there. But I have to wonder, given how salty people got in terms of whether we should move on or not, if going to the Trojans was kind of, you know, a, 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 a F you. Like, yeah, I'm going to go to the rival. See if I can't, you know, help them unseat you. Or, you know... Lincoln Riley's offense is pretty sexy, and I do feel that, you know, being on the devil's advocate of this, yeah, right, the transfer portal as it's constructed right now gives people an opportunity to try something else, whether it's after one year or whether, in this case, three or four. Okay, let's talk some hoops here. Get on to the next section. Um, speaking of those ducks, that was pretty impressive. They became the first team since 1976 to get back-to-back -back road wins over top five teams. Although you have to wonder, are UCLA and USC really top five teams? Or has the COVID craziness and overhype made them better than they actually are? Time will tell. As far as upsets go in the hardwood, I guess the big one would be Florida State. Yeah, those Seminoles. Yeah, the tribe and the university still have a deal as far as you name change, change, change folks who've been crying all week and last week as well. They knocked off number six Duke for the major upset of the week. Kind of an upset last night with number 14 Sparty. Yeah, Michigan State Spartans. Knocking off number eight Wisconsin Badgers. Two ranked teams. Kind of a big thing. The Zags reclaimed the top spot in men's hoop after a week of upsets. They also had a big game with USF the other night. I was interested in watching Penny Hardaway. Yeah, Penny's pain. Going all melting down on uh, the media. It's like, yo, bro, you came into the hot seat talking about all these things. And yeah, the transfer portal. Yeah, COVID. It happens to everybody. You don't deliver. Just sit there and be more stoic about it. I, mean, I get your frustration and, you know, wanting people to lay off, but you take a high-profile job and you're a high-profile dude. People want to see results. In this day and age, people are going to ask those kind of questions. Simple as that, right? Um, as far as the ladies go, South Carolina remains number one for the 11th straight week. And we'll close it with a major RRIP, unfortunately. You know, we, had, you know, we hate doing these shout-outs, but definitely a uh, ma major acknowledgement here uh, with Lucia Harris. Um, first, you know, as far as the modern women's game goes, she was pretty much the first big-time bona fide star, back, you know, even, even though it was kind of as a gesture, the NBA drafted her. But this is back, you know. I was at AIAW, right? I mean, when the women really got the shaft, when she said Delta State, she led them to three national championships in the late 70s. Remember it quite well because I happen to be that old, but definitely a legendary figure. Passed away at 66. Like I said, the first women's, the first big women's star of the modern era in the 70s. Condolences go out to her family, friends, and, you know, the folks in the Delta State family. Okay, folks. Somehow that segment was a little bit longer than I'd thought. But we'll be back with something interesting on the other side.
All righty. Welcome back to Fox Trying to Get a Foxhole. Season 3, number 24, 88 overall. Watching old Joe Barrow and Ryan Tannehill warming up on what looks to be a bright, brisk day in Nashville, Music City. Okay. It's time for that segment that we call something you should probably know or things that may have happened in the sports world that you might want to know about. Um, let's start off with that Nightfall of Diamonds. No, not that great 1989 concert from the Grateful Dead, but what's going on in baseball? And guess what? Nothing. Well, that's not necessarily true. MLB apparently is going to pitch a counteroffer to the players early next week, as the players had no idea, or I shouldn't say they had an idea, but they had no interest in what the owners were selling. Millionaires and billionaires. I went and looked at the specifics of this over the last two weeks, and I'm just as confused as everybody else in terms of what's going to happen here. What I do know is we are getting very close to when Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report. A lot of free agent stuff that needs to happen. A lot of moving pieces. The longer this goes on, the more of a cluster, you know what, it, it will be. As simple as that. Um, speaking of MLB not being, you know, I always say, well, we'll call Scrooge. I thought Tampa Bay had an interesting plan. And their owner feels this is going to be the way for the future. I'm not sure yet how it works either. Or how viable would be a better way of, of phrasing that. But they had a plan where they would start the season in Tampa. As it warmed up, they would move most of the days in Montreal. Montreal obviously starving for a franchise after the Expos departed for the nation's capital. So... MLB's like, eh, I, I, I understand with the COVID lockdown and especially, you know, the differences as far as how it's being enforced and who knows what that, you know, might, what the future might entail. So I kind of get MLB's point, but their reasons for not wanting to do it were not as good as the ones I laid out. And I think that, I don't know. I mean, having dual fan bases... I mean, I know that Kansas City and Omaha did that with the Kings way back in the day. I mean, that's the last thing I can time I can remember. I mean, there's been some shorter stints as well. You know, obviously with the the Saints being in Houston, that you know for that one year, I think it was right. It was it Houston or San Antonio? Anyway, yeah, the whole splitting fan bases. I might want to see how that works down the road, but MLB, uh, uh. And, okay, I guess I jumped the gun last week as far as we know the 61-foot mound is with the way of the dodo bird, but apparently the robo-umpires have it. In fact, it was announced this week that AAA is going to have uh, use of robo-umpires. we watched that with big eyes as far as that goes. As obviously, if they're going to try it in AAA, they would like to implement that in the major leagues at some point. I don't know about all that. 
We did have a big fight over in the UFC land last week. It was kind of good to see those gladiators getting back. Big big card tonight as well. But a fight night that was featherweights where Calvin Kata becomes the first fighter to beat Chia in the octagon with a unanimous decision. With an unanimous decision. It was like in Vegas. So I always keep saying, Vegas is the place to be, yeah? Another big uh, news, I guess, aside from Mr. Djokovic, Naomi Osaka returned to competition. She got bounced, but, you know, it was a big deal, and all the people who were concerned about her mental well-being got to have, you know, a little happy moment and shed a tear and all that kind of stuff. Main thing is she's back competing. She seems to have an appreciation for the game again, you know, and that not to say that she didn't before, but as far as her willingness to want to be able to compete and, and happy, you know, it, as far as managing, you know, the expectations and that sort of thing. So good to see her back out competing, you know, meeting with the press. Still was kind of awkward, but, hey, you know, progress is progress, as they say, right? As far as golf goes, I know it's kind of weird when I do this on Saturday. I didn't do it yesterday, and there's other things going on. But last week, Mr. Matsuyama, yes, he won by five strokes. Well, actually, he made up five strokes in the back nine to force a playoff with Russell Henley. And he comes away with the prizes at the Sony Open, which was over there in Wailea last week. Yeah, I mean, making up five strokes in the back nine was pretty impressive. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to the ice rink of life, right in our Zamboni. Power rings are about the same. Big news this week over there was the Bruins finally retiring Pioneer Willie O'Ree's jersey. Is it a big deal or a gesture too late to be sincere? Well, I won't say, I think it's a gesture too late, but I don't doubt the sincerity of it. It's kind of unfortunate that it took this long. You know, he was the first uh, African-American, you know, the pioneer. He played with the Bruins, you know, uh, dealt with a lot, as, as all pioneers of color, dealt with a lot of BS. And I'll just leave it this way. I thought it was cool for the NHL and the Bruins to honor. You know, maybe, too, maybe a bit late on that one, but nonetheless... It was done, and, you know, apparently, you know, everybody seemed to think that it was done in good taste. So, there you go. R.I.P. to Clark, you know, for all Islanders fans. You know, they're great teams in the 70s. Clark Gillis passed away at 67. Okay. So, I remember when I was talking about number 88 earlier. Oh, by the way, like I said, condolences go out to Islanders fans, family, the family of Clark all that stuff, you know, major pillar in the Long Island community, even after he played, as far as being a great ambassador to that franchise in the league. Okay. Remember when I was talking about number 88s? And um, I remember Dale Hart Jr. drove the 88 for a while. Yeah. And uh, I can't. Thing is, he's in the, he got voted to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And... As you know, and I'll be talking to the quarterman in a couple of weeks about this, and I'll also be talking to my brother, who I get a lot of my NASCAR data from. But I have a problem with this. I mean, yes, okay, he was a um, a healer, shall we say, 
as we talked about, you know, uh, last time I had the corner man on, you know, the, the tragic impact of his father's death and, you know, that fateful day in Daytona pretty much, I think, warped the sport permanently. It hasn't really ever bounced back. And the conduit that Dell Jr. provided for, you know, fans of NASCAR was valuable. Is that Hall of Fame worthy? I mean, yeah, he's got 26 wins. Yeah. When I think of Jimmy Johnson's, you know, what, I think when he ended up in the 90s or something like that. Daddy had 76 wins. Yeah. Two Daytonas. Hey, you know, your dad's, daddy sets you up so those cars could drive good on restrictor plate tracks. Hall of Fame, I guess on personality, he helped carry the sport through dark times by saying him not being a star is why NASCAR is not as viable as it should be right now. So yeah, I have a problem with that. All right, folks, we'll leave it on that note. We'll come back on the other side and we'll talk some serious NBA beat. All right, folks, welcome back to Fox Trotting in a fo Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 24, Number 88 Overall. Said Alan Page. He was no rings, but Hall of Famer ended up being like a Supreme Court Justice for Minnesota. All kinds of wonderful things. Great baller in college. Too bad he didn't get a ring, but that's the way it goes when you play for the Purple Gang. Let's talk some NBA beat, shall we? Yeah, I know. After I heard Lady Lowe say that, I'm like, well, is that where I got that from? When I was watching, uh, you know, Premier League, it's kind of funny without NBCSN that you forget and then you have to like, oh, yeah, the games are on. Well, that's the next segment. Anyways, let's talk some NBA beat. So where we left off last week, last week talking about those sorry-ass Lakers. I'm going to try not to be like everybody else and focus too much on them, okay? They're just a train wreck. But the week started with them losing by 36 points. Magic coming out and ripping the Lakers, basically saying this is bullshit, and Jeannie Buss deserves better, which is all true, but Jeannie Buss and her little confidant, Sarambuses, probably, and Palinka, of course, are responsible for this mess. And Magic, you take some culpability in this as well because you weren't worth a damn either. So, anyways, big news also, KD getting hurt. KD got hurt last Saturday night. They were playing the Pelicans. They say he's probably going to be out anywhere from six to eight weeks, so probably two months, you know, probably be safe, you know, especially with Harden balling and Kyrie playing on the road games. They'll be able to hold the fort down. Money Green. Yeah, that Money Green. Draymond. He's going to be out another two or three weeks. So it's probably better 80s about to come back, apparently. Better that these people get it out of the way now and maybe they can come back for playoff runs. But we always know that never really works out the way it's supposed to. Yeah? Um. Okay. So what else happened last week? We, we know how we had Martin Luther King Day. We holiday that some people honor and some people don't take the day off, you know, for the great civil rights leader. 
You know, we get to bake that on somebody else's podcast. That's just to those who don't. But, you know, that's always a big showcase for the NBA. And it's had a big showdown with the Grizzlies and the Bulls. And the Grizzlies continuing to impress, thumping the Bulls. The Bulls are obviously running into some injuries and some COVID and all that stuff. Finally catching up with them, you know, as we've been kind of like tooting their, touting them. But uh, the Grizzlies, you know, I mean... We're at the halfway point, and, you know, they're looking more and more, as I said last week, like the Phoenix of last year. Going to be a tough out for anybody that faces them. But don't be surprised if they get knocked out in the first round by a lower seed, especially if it's someone like the Lakers if they can get their act together. Um, You know, so, okay, the Lakers, they, for example, they woke up supposedly and they beat the Jazz. Well, they beat a good team. And magic, you know, and that magic. But LeBron apologizing and saying it wouldn't happen again. And then the true a stinker against the Pacers, from which I think may have been their worst loss of the season, the way they folded in the second half. Problem is, the next night, the Pacers went and beat Golden State on a back-to-back. So I don't know if it's so much that, hey, maybe the Pacers have woken up and that maybe the Lakers' loss isn't as bad. Because, you know, beating the Warriors on a back-to-back after facing the Lakers and exerting a lot of effort in the second half to do it. Just saying. Um, you know, speaking of the Nets and Kyrie, it's kind of weird, you know, with Ky- that, they could, that they weren't able to take down the Cavs. The Cavs, definitely a team, you know, that I've been keeping an eye on. I mean, I don't see them making noise other than maybe being a tough out. Um, also, as far as the show, MLK showcase, how about Mr. Booker? That's right. Devin Booker of those sons dropping 48 on the Spurs. Then a couple of days later, Joel Embiid says, oh, I no, 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 homie. Check this out. He scores 50 in 27 minutes. That's right. He dropped 50 in 27 minutes. But, of course, the Kobe Brigade had to say, what about the time Kobe dropped 62 and 33? That's more impressive. Yeah, I know. As I was telling you last week, fans just never ending as far as having something to bitch about or argue about. Oh, the days before the internet when you didn't have to hear such nonsense. That same night that B drops 50, Luca had 41. And that may have been more impressive because they actually beat somebody. Uh, you know, speaking of Memphis, just when I start, you know, feeling really strong about them, they get a reality check as when they pace. The Bucks, defending champs, Giannis and company said not so fast. 126, 114. That's pretty impressive. Um, you know, so, I mean, right now at this point, when it comes to the NBA, let's see here, real quick here, I have to do a little adjusting. Everything's so slow today, right? But yeah, I mean, right, we're at the halfway point. Do we really see. A clear-cut favorite. No, I don't. I keep wanting to think the Warriors. I mean, Clay. There's. I mean, now that Clay is back, it's obvious that the Warriors are looking very formidable, right? But something tells me they're not going to be there. That injuries are once again going to be a problem for them. Memphis and Phoenix. Now, as far as the East goes. Yeah, I, I think if, if 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 Katie is healthy, 
as much as I want to say Chicago, I mean, Miami was in the finals a couple years ago. We're never talking about them. Obviously, the defending champs. So, no, I can't say there's a clear cut. I mean, I think that there's a lot of disappointment. Injuries have a lot to do with that. And then just playing like garbage. But I think Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, and Hawks all are disappointers. The Pacers being 17 and 29, like I said, getting two impressive wins. But what are you going to say when, you know, you're three and seven in your last 10? But obviously, those two probably are the best, most impressive wins of the season. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think Portland, obviously, but once again, injuries, you know, play in, the, play in there at 19 and 26. They're kind of a disappointment as well. The Pelicans, until you see Zion, right, they're going to be a joke. Yeah. Uh, what about the Celtics at 23 and 24? Yeah, they're kind of a disappointment. I think the Wizards and, you know, Killer Coos has really been balling lately. People are like, see, with the Lakers let go of, and I'm like, well, when you're getting minutes and you're playing in D.C. as opposed to having that giant magnifying glass that comes with the purple and gold jersey, of course you're going to put up numbers. But then again, now they've come back to earth at 23 and 23. They're probably where they should be, and I wouldn't be surprised if they fall back even a little bit more. So the, the Knicks, not even being in the top 10 in the East is kind of eye-opening, especially given how excited you know people were going into this season. Okay, folks, we've been rambling enough as far as the beautiful, I mean, the NBA beat goes. We will be back on the other side, fumbling, stumbling, all that kind of stuff with the beautiful game live. See you on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Really trying to sprint through this one as we're about six or seven minutes away from the first kickoff. And uh, yeah, should have did this yesterday because I got about 50 more things I need to do along with watching the football game. Actually having a Saturday with multiple activities, but really glad that we had making time to get this podcast in before too much content comes in and then we have to talk way too much and none of it makes any sense. All right, let's go pitch side, shall we? I know, ever since I heard Lady Lowe, I mean, Lady Lowe, Rebecca Lowe of NBC soccer fame, I heard her say that and I'm like, when did I get that from her? I didn't think so, but anyway. So what's going on as far as the beautiful game life? Well, well, well. The Mexican Federation, as far as that, that governs, obviously, the national team and La, La, Liga MX and all these things, they are saying now that any fans chanting homophobic slurs will receive a five-year ban. Really now? I really want to see what kind of shenanigans ensue when this tries to be enforced. I think it's a fantastic idea, long overdue. It's the only way you are going to root that stuff out is to really take a tough stance. But what will the pushback be? 
Oh my, my, my. Oh my, my, my. This will be interesting to watch. A five-year ban, folks. Uh, especially the crap we saw today for the Everton fans, right? What the hell was that? You know, all right. People, stop throwing shit at players. It's dangerous and someone's going to get hurt seriously. You got aggressions? Go join a boxing gym or a fight club. Do not take that stuff to the arenas, the stadiums. It's garbage. Ooh. Okay. So, you know, yesterday we had the big drop of the U.S. national team's roster for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. And, you know, it's an interesting mix of up-and-coming now and maybe some people who are long in the tooth. And it always makes me wonder, you know, especially as I've told you a million times, I mean, either you want comedy or you want to be tortured, just go check out soccer Twitter. And, you know, U.S. men's national team soccer Twitter is going to be the part. I mean, these kids and long in the tooth veterans – even if they made a deep run in the World Cup, these assholes would have, would find something negative to say. And, uh, you know, when I saw the roster drop yesterday and all the bickering, and I know Josh Sargent got left off, but he had a big goal for Norwich City. Someone said he needs to focus on getting them, you know, above the line as opposed to worrying about the national team. I like that we can have a conversations now, right, where, you know, we have so much talent that, yeah, you know, maybe we move on with some folks or some folks fight their way on. I mean, the competition. I know everybody's not crazy about, you know, GB. Another guy that even if he makes a deep run, somebody will find fault with him. You know, it's one of the things that bothers me about the soccer audience, you know, or the football proper audience. It just... But anyways, I'm really looking forward. I know people are kind of complaining that there's going to be a couple of fixtures in very cold weather places, Minnesota and Ohio. But hey, you know what? It's that time of year in terms of these guys are playing in those kind of that kind of weather for the folks playing in Europe anyways. So, you know, I mean, I get it. It's going to be tough on the fans, but it, oh, well, they'll be there. Uh, shout out real quick. You know, to the man, Diego Valeri, whose time in Portland is officially over. He's going back to his boyhood club in Argentina. This guy's a MLS legend as far as helping, you know, Portland, you know, and its role in making MLS 2.0 as viable as it is. You know, even coming from, you know, a fan of a rival club, I definitely uh, tip, tip a cap to Mr. Valeri. You know, best wishes. You're definitely an MLS legend, and you know, massive props to you. You know, your your time in Portland was legendary. Speaking of the arrival, as I told you about LAFC, I would be remiss. Remember, I told you about their fan base last week. So LAFC made some very big signings to, on their own time, in spite of the fans thinking, "Well, we pressured the front office to do something." I don't know how this team came. One of the more unique things to happen in sports to having this really entitled, spoiled fan base that is just annoying. And it's almost like they are cursing themselves for years to come the way they behave. And even the moves that they made this week are not satisfying enough to people, right? 
I, you know, I, for a team that's been around five years, these people have more expectations than folks that root for Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's really something to see and, in my case, be a part of. But, yeah, some big moves there. So maybe the folks who saw them as being the favorite, maybe they were on to something because the squad they have right now, I wouldn't say they are the favorite, but they have put themselves in the conversation as far as who will host, who will hoist the 2022 MLS Cup. Um, the Mbappé watch, well, well, well. Like I said last week, you know, it, it, it's time for the Madristas to sweat bullets, and they are getting salty, basically coming out and saying that if, if Kylian extends with PSG, which Nasser Al-Khalifi says is he's pretty confident it's going to happen, the door is closed. We will never offer him again. You know, this is the Real Madrid squad that offered $200 million, which I know they didn't have and were bluffing to get him with on the last year of his contract. One way or the other, whether he extends or goes someplace else, I, like I said, I think it's funny watching the Madrid folks really sweat bullets and get salty. But hey, Nostra feels pretty confident that we can get a couple of more years of Kylian Mbappe in Paris. Who knows? This is the saga continues, but what we do know is when Real Madrid and Paris meet next month in their two-way tie, it's going to be box office. Cannot wait. Um, you know, as far as the pitch site goes, there's a lot happened today, which I'll look at in a second, but I'll tell you what happened since we last talked for the Premier League. Yeah, Chelsea and City, big tilt at Anfield. That ended up 1-1. United was had tied with Aston Villa. The Reds took care of business. Chelsea and, and Brighton Howe, 1-1. Why is that significant? Because word on the street is... People are getting cranky with Thomas Tuchel, just like Paris. Early success, but once teams figure out what kind of an abrasive personality you can be, they get tired of you. Same thing happened to him at Borussia Dortmund. Definitely keeping an eye on that as Chelsea is starting to stumble a little bit. Another interesting match was the Spurs getting two stoppage time goals to stun Leicester City at the KP. Looked like the Spurs were on the ropes. I mean, they got two goals after like 93 or 94 minutes. It was something crazy like that. Look at the Packers taking the field in their whites. Oh, boy, this is going to be a lot of fun. Let me tell you, people. Um, okay. I know it's just kind of an interesting thing here. Oh, I know what's going on here because we need to turn the channel. I was like thinking to myself, how the hell can that be? Hold on one second while I adjust. Yeah, it's like I was watching the NFL Network. You know, a couple of the cuties on there always captured my eye as far as the game day good morning goes. So I was like checking it out, and all of a sudden they were showing the Niners and the Packers from the game at Levi. And I'm sitting there like, don't the Packers have the number one seed? Why are they in Levi? And then it dawned on me that they were showing a game from earlier. So I had to turn the channel to get to the Bengals and Titans, which is about to kick off. Make sense now? Okay, I don't know where I was at, but I'll, I will talk about a little La Liga. 
Well, mainly, you know, it was cup as far as Spain goes. Cup, cup, cup competition. Real Madrid wins the Super Cup with a 2-0 win over Athletic Bilbao. And they also rallied when they were a man down to stun Elche in the Copa del Rey, uh, which also Barcelona lost an extra time to Athletic. Busy for all those squads. Another sign of bad times in Barcelona. Apparently, the women's El Clasico match, which was two days ago, I didn't get the exact numbers, but they said it would draw more fans to Camp Nou than the men's team has drawn for most of its matches. Okay, this is, this, this is Barcelona. Messi. Ronaldo Nino. Uh, yeah. I mean, good for the women, but really a sign of some very um, sour times over there in Barcelona. Atletico Madrid got rocked in the Copa, de, Copa del Rey as well by Real Sociedad. So, sure, the man in black, Mr. Simeone, is not happy as far as that goes. Over the Bundesliga, Lewa, yes, that Robin Lewandowski bagging another hat trick. I mean, they won easily at Cologne. Leipzig and Leverkusen got road wins. Uh, big story in Germany as far as the German Cup, DFP Bokel. St. Pauli, not the beer, but FC St. Pauli knocking out Mr. Halan. And the look on Mr. Halan's face tells you all you need to know about his feature in Dortmund. He is a sour, sour, sour looking person. But congratulations to FC St. Pauli. Big win, knocking Dortmund out of the German Cup. Serie A, it's good to see. Speaking of our American kids, Weston McKinney scoring again as Juventus posts a clean sheet at home. Uh, the Chosen Ones, Roma Squad, which I've been making fun of quite a bit. They got a big win. Atalanta played to a 0-0 draw. AC Milan, which was looking so good, stumbles over in my friends in League One. PSG finally gets an easy win, even without Pessi. 2-0 at the park. Monaco and Lyon won, and Lille played to a draw with Marseille. So before I get you out of here, because we are, you know, I can wait till next week, but let's talk about what happened today. Shall we? In the words of Lady Lowe. Ooh-wee. But of course it might help if, if uh, my screen would refresh a little bit faster. Um, okay. Like I said, you know, I mentioned about the whole Everton match. They lost at home today to Aston Villa, and their supporters were absolute turd bags, throwing stuff. Like I said, knock that shit off, people. Manchester United gets a big win at Old Trafford. And Manchester City draws at Southampton. Big over there. The aforementioned Atletico Madrid in trouble again. Down a goal at home to Valencia. Mr. Simeone, going to be chewing on glass if this keeps up. Villarreal taking care of business. Sevilla drew. Let's see. Anything else big over here? Speaking of Borussia Dortmund. Speaking of Mr. Milan, he gets an opening goal as they take care of Hoffenheim. Over in Syria, international. Yeah, that's right. Inter Milan gets a big win. Well, Atalanta draws on the road. Over in League One, Marseille looks like they're going to get a big win over Lens. 
And in the surprise of the day, Breast 29 wins at home over the defending champs. As somebody said, it's Lil's defense of their championship is just pure poo. Not really representing themselves, really falling apart, and they separated another big loss. Okay, I don't know how this segment ended up being that long, because I guess we feel like hearing our voice today. Anyway, we'll be back with a closer look on the other side. Here we are again, getting carried away with our tunes, watching the game. Yeah, won't lead into too much of that yet. Let's go with a closer look, which is that segment where we take a couple of minutes to look at some topics, give some more thought, conversation. You know, like I said, we might, we're in that talky mood today. Thanks for putting up with me, and thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends as well. If you want to come on the podcast, really encouraging that, and really hoping to see more of that as we move deeper into 2022. Okay. Well, Wild Card Weekend, kind of a dud with the blowouts and things like that. We'll talk about it in the next segment. But what it highlighted for me was the insane focus on quarterbacks. Those playing and those on the phone with their agents looking at their options, what might be next, kids in college. But it's pretty clear from watching last weekend, winners and losers, as I've been saying for weeks on end, it is all about having the dude, the quarterback. You know, watching these two teams right now, watching Mr. Burrow on the sideline, watching Mr. Tannehill. Even though people don't know whether or not Tannehill is the dude, he's been getting it done in Tennessee. And it's really about having that competent leader. And we saw that all last weekend. And you in the discussion last week, especially um, with all the teams, you know, Washington, for example, which you know I'm a Washington fan, so I always bring them up. But, you know, there's all these teams that have a quarterback that may be in a position to leave and what they may be do, might do. I mean, it, it's interesting the last couple of years, I guess is the point that I'm getting at, or I'm trying to you know make here. That that focus, I mean, the quarterback's always been an important position, but I mean, there's an insane hyper-focus now. And you saw it last weekend, you saw it all week as far as what was going on in the shows. You've already got mock drafts. you already got Mel Kuyper. But just watching the fan bases, some uh, drinking the punch, some not, in terms of what's possible for them and what can be attainable. But it's like a whole, I mean, it's not new because I think it's something that's been evolving over the last three or four years, maybe even a little bit longer. But that you have these guys who can come out of college that are ready to play and make an impact. And then these guys you know, who may, like a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers, you know, want to try something different, you know, the transfer portal, you know, version of the NFL. And, you know, and how these teams, right, you know, I hear, like, for example, I'll use Washington, because that's the team I follow. 
You know, they've got their designs on, like, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And I'm sitting there like, like these guys would even want to come to the play in that dump that's FedEx and a dumpster, you know, franchise for the last 30 years, even if they could be a face of a rebrand. But yet, you know, like I said, these people are getting so delusional about it and so uh, haughty, shall we say. And it's kind of cool because, like, you know, in terms of teams that are out of it, the kind of excitement for next season and seeing that already happen while the playoffs are still going. Normally it's like, hey, you know, F this, I'm not watching any games. But, you know, this focus on getting the dude has created, you know, this whole conversation for the teams who have them because they're still in it, obviously, and those who aspire to be the teams that are in it. So it's good stuff. Okay. Um, you know, another thing that... that, that that this is be the, this won't be the last time we talk about this, but the myopic focus of the sports media, and you know, if you especially you know we're talking like the shows that are in the daytime, you know, on ESPN, FS1, CBS Sports Network, right? Brady, LeBron, the Lakers. It, it, it gets to be so nauseating when you think there's so many other things going on. You know, right? We can sit there and LeBron hate or the dysfunction with the Lakers or Brady this, Brady that. You know, why isn't Belichick mashing Brady? That that sort of drama. There's so many other stuff that should be talked about. Like, why haven't we... Like, educate us on what's going on with the players and the owners in MLB. I mean... Talk about the, the most popular game in the world at once in a while, as opposed to this constant LeBron this. Well, blah, blah, he's not making a Oh, comparing him to e MJ, and MJ would have done that. And it just gets to be so nauseating. Not saying that can't be part of the dialogue, but there's so many other things that, sh that we should be talking about. I thought, you know, Sabrina Inescu brought a great point up, you know, earlier in the year about... So many cool things happening, but who would ever know? Because the only thing people ever seem to talk about is LeBron, the Lakers, and Brady. And sometimes, you know, Belichick will get in the conversation as long as it could be about how Brady's doing so much better without Belichick. I mean, all relevant stories. But, you know, I mean, that's what I like about how we do art in this podcast. Not to say that I don't bring these people up either. But, you know, somebody said to me, well, I don't know, I, I skipped your soccer part. I'm like, oh, well, fine. But the point being is we try to cover as many sports as possible, you know, and, and give a little detail as far as what's going on with them. So, anyway. Ooh, we, we're making good time with this. Okay, let's move on to this. The NFL's coaching dilemma, as we always get to this time of year when there's a lot of vacancies, and there's always the conversation of the Rooney Rule. You know, and... As I talked about last week, and I guess I'm going to enhance upon, right? You know, part of it I get, and there's other, you know, I mean, it, it's such a nuanced conversation when it comes to coaching hires. Because I, I guess what I'm really trying to say is that the optics that you see and why we need a Rooney rule is true, and then the nepotism that's actually getting qualified candidates out there, regardless of color, 
is also true. It's like everything can, can be true in this. It's that, yeah, with a league that has 70% African-American players, you would like to probably see more coaches. <coughs> it's not that simple. When you look at some of the guys, like, let's look at, you know, that big, you know, really irritated fans of Washington. Uh, kept posting about, you know, the t that on uh, Mike Shanahan's staff, how LaFleur, McVeigh, and Kyle Shanahan, you know, the team went 3-13. and 13, And people should, you know, Adam Schefter, oh, you should be ashamed of yourself because of the context. Washington's a dumpster fire, but not because they didn't hire any of those guys. It, it wasn't even possible. They weren't involved yet. It, you know, they were just assistants on the way. But, you know, once again, it comes down to, listen, you know, Shanahan, coach's son, McVay, coach's son. I mean, no matter how you want to diversify things, if you're the guy making the decisions and you right, and you want somebody that you feel has a good football mind, you know these guys who were born with that are coaches' kids, which was a lot of people out there as far as coordinators and actual coaches, they're going to knock it out when it comes to the interview. Are they not? Um, you know, and I, why wouldn't it apply to sports like anything else, even though it's not optimal and not fair, but employers tend to want to have people that they're comfortable with and, you know, people that they can, you know, go fishing with and get in trouble and say bad things like John Gruden did. Maybe we need to break that hierarchy, and that's why I know the social justice warriors and the woke warriors have been about as far as, you know, their persistent attacks on the No Fun League. Um, although I think, as usual, the NFL showing, you know, the resistance that it can ride out any storm. And, you know, with this coaching thing, you know, expanding the Rooney Rule, I don't know if that... I mean, it, and it's got to be more about, you know, the kind of pedigree. I mean, it's one thing to be an ex-player that learns how to be a, a good coordinator. But these guys who grew up in that, you know, as coaches' sons and that sort of thing and played the game themselves, they have such a leg up on the competition. And I think people, you know, it's easy to, like, call the race card. And I know somebody mentioned it again, you know, well, like, okay. You know, the whole thing with Texas wanting to hire Josh McCown and hoping that somebody will hire him first so they can get around the Rooney rule. Okay, Richard Sherman, he has a good point there, right? Because I don't know what Josh McCown, maybe he has that same thing going, you know, other than I know that he played in the league. But, you know, once again, you know, I'm like, if you're a coach's son, <laughs> and if you can look at a lot of these guys, Right, especially you know when it comes to you know the white coaches, I, I can see why these guys get the job, and a lot of times these guys are successful because of the of their pedigree, and it being indoctrinate and what. Not saying it's right, but I just think like I said, it's a nuanced thing, and it's you know we can't fall prey to always looking at it as being a race thing. 
even though that should be addressed in terms of the people who want to be in that profession, who've played in the league and could probably relate to these players. All those things should be considered. But we should also not, you know, be so dismissive of the nepotism, especially when you look at the pedigree involved. Okay, folks, we went a little bit long with that one as well. We will be back with the NFL report, some TMCA time, and we'll get you out of here so I can watch this damn game as well. All right, cool. Okay, welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Season 3, number 24. Number 88. <sighs> okay, folks. We're definitely enjoying ourselves. Got a little bit of a scratchy voice here, so bear with me as we get through this last segment. As we were watching an interesting playoff matchup unfold. Um... Where should I start with the NFL report? Well, we've got this all mixed up here, don't we? Yeah, okay. We're, we're good. So, you know, these big matchups, like I said, we've got the Browns, the Bengals, excuse me, and the Titans going on. You know, one thing I, did, I mentioned last week, about, you know, the Rams trying to shore up, grabbing Eric Weddle off the bin. I don't think he hasn't played in a couple of years. Kind of wonder if that's going to help, if he's going to see any significant time this week as they face Tampa Bay. Another thing I shouldn't that I didn't mention last week about Cam saying he wants to be in a winning situation for his next stop. He ain't got time for that. Well, Cameron, uh, Mr. Newton, I think you're a bit deluded. And if anybody gives you a call, you'd be happy. And... If they don't, and because I'm winning team, yeah, okay, I guess they could have you around for a fashion plate, you know, and, and short yardage packages. But I get the sense that given the overall body of your work in 2021, you started out hot and we thought maybe there was something there, but in the end, you know, Sam Darnold was taking the snaps. So I'm going to have to say, I appreciate, you know, the belief in yourself that a winning situation is where you belong, but the reality may not be that for you. Just saying. And also diluted. A.B., yes, that Antonio Brown. Couldn't be a podcast without talking about him for a second. We won't waste too much time with him. Other than he was on somebody else's podcast this week saying he has no mental issues. Okay, A.B., you don't have any mental issues. I might buy that and just say, okay, if you don't have any mental issues, then you're just an asshole dirtbag. Gee, you might want to stick to the middle card because if you're saying you don't have any mental issues and you're doing all this outlandish stuff as a sane person, well, my... And I mean, your your jacket, it's pretty thick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might want to, you and your agent might want to have a huddle and talk about going on these podcasts. I mean, 
anything's possible. But my buddy still says he threw honey when it comes to playing in the NFL. I mean, I don't even know if the rebooted XFL wants his sorry ass. Just saying. How about an unnamed uh, Dolphins player basically coming out and saying he's wasting his career with, uh, with Tua at the helm? Well, when we talked about Brian Flores last week, and now this, once again, I don't know how credible it is, but there seems to be something very toxic as far as down in South Beach. They need to clean that up really quick. And if that's true, I don't, and they don't seem to be interested in Watson. You know, right? It's almost like they're, they're basically having to blow things up. And the fact that, you know, it's, these vacancies are slow to be filled. There's so much intrigue right now. You got to love it. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about the fixation with the quarterbacks. You know, what quarterbacks should teams be drooling over in this derby? I know people say Rodgers, and maybe he has a playoff failure, but he's going to be able to figure out where he wants to go. And I guarantee you, some of you teams that think you can sell that guy, he ain't going anywhere where he can't doesn't have a chance to win a ring in, in one year. And so I can see for Rodgers, Vegas... Denver and New Orleans. Same thing with Russell Wilson. I mean, you know, and I think with Sierra being in the factory, she ain't going to no dump city to live. Okay? Ain't going to some place that's a dumpster fire. And that's why Russ going to New York. I just can't see Seattle. I, I can see Seattle getting rid of Pete before they let Russell walk. That's because, you know, there's a good relationship that he and all the, you know, warmth and good feelings the guy has. I can't see him. I can see him wanting to look at his options and having some suitors. But if you're him, it's like, hey, I mean, I, I think it'd be a mistake for Seattle to probably rebuild the run-up. But I think a lot of these teams have not really paid attention to how he's been tailing off and the books on him at 33. I mean, how much do you give up for us? Carr. He's in a weird situation, too. Right, you know, the Raiders firing Mayock, which I thought was kind of a surprise, but since him and Chucky were a package deal. But what do you do with Basachi? Carr would like to keep him, but, you know, I'm always leery about taking an interim coach and then having buyer's remorse. Do they move on from him? And it's backup Mariota, who's coveted as well. Right? You know, there's all these people that are coveted, but that means there's gaping holes where some of these Bigger tier names could go to. Interesting. Wonder where Dan Quinn's gonna go now that it seems like Dallas is not going to part ways with, with Mr. Mike. We'll see. Ravens need a fall guy. Week so they fire Wink Martindale. Okay, Harbaugh. Gotta have a fall guy. I know that he had a year left that was probably better than extending him and letting him have a chance to hook on somewhere else. But hate seeing him be the fall guy for you and your big balls antics, always going for two and other nonsense and COVID and injuries. Way to go there, Harbaugh. <laughs> Whoo, man. Okay, so the Giants. We know that they 
Their head coach spot is still vacant, but we have a little bit more clarity where they're going. As they replaced Dave Gettleman with Bill's assistant general manager, Joe Schoen. After all, in Gettleman's time, the Giants were 19-46 and 46 in the last four seasons in Gotham. So I'd be kind of curious to see the coach and quarterback, because I have a feeling they're going to move on from Danny Dimes. That's just my gut feeling. Okay, let's get rocking with what happened playoff-wise last week. So Burrow and the boys took care of business at home and advanced to the game I'm watching. I was wrong on that one. As I said, Mission Carr, I think his doubters will grow. And I'm not sure, you know, what the Raiders do as far as the GM and next coach situation and how Carr plays into that. I do know there are a lot of people out there who would love to have him. I don't know why. I think you saw last week why you should scratch your head. But anyway, um, you know, the other Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, is it possible that he ends up picking his GM and go to Las Vegas? The tea leaves say it's, the sports station's been great, but he kind of likes where he's at in Ann Arbor and that he, that he feels he can compete for a, a national championship. So we'll see. Right now, like I said, the tea leaves are leading towards Jim Harbaugh staying in Ann Arbor. Um... Sports Buffalo and New England, Josh Allen sizzling, played the perfect game, basically. I mean, they had no punts. I mean, they just lit New England up. Give Gave Belichick his worst loss ever. Sure, Patriots haters were cackling, pouring down their sour mash, enjoying every ounce of that. Um, you know, yeah, they did whatever they wanted to. It's going to be an interesting, you know, rematch with the Chiefs. Brady in the Bucks. Had an easy day ending Fly Eagles Fly's journey. What's our takeaway here? And Tampa Bay got, got kind of nicked up. A couple of guys' game time decisions. Fly Eagles Fly, they say they're committed to Jalen Hurts as being their guy. They've got some draft capital. So let's see what Fly Eagles Fly put together. They had a good season. You had, had the, the chicken and dumpling schedule. Let's see what happens. You know, can they repeat and get back to the playoffs and, you know, back-to-back -back with Nick Sereni? Um, The Cardinals. You know, I know all the pundits up there sticking up for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, for that matter. But they look like poodoo against the Rams. I mean, we're talking straight stinky, winky, dinky, pinky, poo-poo, whatever you want to call it. And I pointed out, and everybody else has been pointing out, how Kingsbury's team's falter. I mean, and people were like, you can't talk about what happened at Texas. I'm like, he has a track record. I don't care if somehow you start out 7-0 and and back your way in and put a performance like that. That's a horrible offense to me. Your ass should be gone. Right? I'm, I, you know, um, I feel this is why the Cardinals haven't won a championship since, what, 1947, 1948? The Bidwells. You know, letting this guy stick around. Um, is Kyler exposed, or is it more that throughout the season, as, you know, as, as Kingsbury's record would indicate, teams get the book on what you're doing? You have an idea? Let me know. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Um, you know, 
The Rams are going to Raymond James next week. Who wins that game? Well, I'm going to, you know, you don't bet against Tom Brady. Everybody, everybody doesn't know that. Um, and the Rams. If you know the Rams, like I know the Rams, I've been following them as a West Coast kid and going back as long as I can remember, you know, right? Just a trail of playoff failures other than, you know, the greatest show on turf having that magical run where they got a ring. But in my lifetime, more often than not, the Rams have had no money when it counted. You know, either getting frozen out in Minnesota or when they would host games back in the old Coliseum and it would like rain cats and dogs or something weird would happen. So, you know, if the Rams can overcome their history, I think they win. I think, I think Aaron Donald and, um, you know, my man from Denver, all those guys, both sides of the ball. OBJ actually have had a breakout game, even through a pass that was pretty cool. You know, I mean, it's kind of a duck, but hey, you know what? OBJ delivering. I think the Rams come up with an upset. I hate to go against Tom Brady, but you know what? Let's screw it. I'm going to say the Rams in an upset win. Okay, 49ers, better than the Cowboys, like I told you was going to happen. Right? I think I was on that before anybody else was. Um, you know, the Cowboys, because they were talented, made a game out of it, but that's mainly because Jimmy G being Jimmy G, and you notice what I was saying, quarterbacks should be coveted. I left him out because dude should be, I mean, dude's good, one way or the other. You have to take a look if you need a quarterback. And I've heard fan bases say, well, he's mediocre. Well, Guy's gone to a Super Bowl, could go to another Super Bowl right now because I like them over the Packers. You know, the way I think what they did going in the Jerry world, they can replicate in Lambeau. Yes, they can. Uh, and Packers are the same way. I feel like if you punch the Packers in the mouth, like the Cowboys got punched in the mouth, they don't respond well. And the Snyder team and Jimmy G. Jimmy G is going to do... Jimmy G is a better Kirk Cousins, meaning he actually wins some games that matter. He hasn't won the game that mattered, but he was close. So, I mean, I don't know, like, you should hear, like, fans from Washington. Oh, my God. You know, I, I wouldn't take him. He's slightly better than Heineke. I'm like, what? The, the Heineke who could play good against Tampa Bay and is pretty marginal to be nice against everybody else. Come on, people. Put down that crack and stop smoking the KJ, man. Oh, my goodness. But, um, yeah, you know, America gets its glee. Another meltdown at, at Big D. Jerry getting older, very much broken, but will re refuses to admit that he's wrong. That's why Mike McCarthy... Somehow still has his job, in spite of that bizarre ending. You know, now, now I don't want to even talk about, you know, trying to run a sneak when you have no timeouts in the middle of the field. They say you need 16 seconds, and there was only 14. Then all the hand-wringing about that. Just, you know, why are you in that position with all the talent you have? And pretty much, you know, Jimmy G gave you a gift that got you back in the game, but otherwise... They just went up in your house and slapped you around and just said, you know what? You ate all that. And that's why they're at home watching the playoffs like we are.
Okay. I thought the Steelers were going to be an upset. I was wrong there. Kansas City ends Big Ben's story career with another thrashing. I mean, that was pretty bad. So, can the Bills' firepower overwhelm the Chiefs at Arrowhead? Yeah, they can, actually. But you know what? I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. I'm going to go that the Bills, they have that little magic they do up there in Orchard Park. But that's the thing. They should have taken care of business, so they had the number one seed and you had to come there. I know they want an Arrowhead. They aren't winning an Arrowhead again. All right. As far as the game that's on right now, which is 6-0 Cincinnati, I had Tennessee beforehand. Just for the record, you know, right? Tennessee's trailing in the tra trailing early. Been kind of a, an odd game to this point. We'll see. But that's how so to recap before I get into TMCA time. Yes. I have Houston. I have San Francisco. T T T T T T T I have the Rams. I have the Chiefs. Those are my picks. For divisional weekend. So let's get to some TMCA time so I can get out of here and actually watch this game and make some brunch. Okay. TMCA time. You know where we give the XL, regular size, and complementary size stainless steel bowls of the smelliest varieties. Yeah, that's right. You know, from the waste to give the waste, ma waste material, shall we say, to people whose actions or just straight-up character allows them to be on this, you know, sordid list. Okay, without any further ado, let's get to handing out the stainless steel bowls of the smelliest varieties. We're going to start with the NFL for fighting Bruce Arians for slapping the player's helmet. Man, can we get more Nambi, Pambi, and orange pill slices? It's a violent game. It's not like he grabbed him by the neck and shook him. You know, yeah, it's kind of a bad optic, you know, but come on, man. Stop it with this nonsense. Find them 50K, too, man. Come on, man. NFL again. You know, that was an, I'll give the NFL an XL. I'm going to give the NFL an XL stainless steel bowl as well for another crappy weekend by the officials. I mean, get it together. All these years, I've been complaining about this, and every year. I mean, at least they're getting wise, and people that screw up, they don't get to call any more games, but shouldn't come to this. The NFL's officiating pro pro problem should have been resolved a long time ago. Um, complimentary bowls abound. The folks in the foundry get busy. For well-carved fans at stadiums every, all throughout the league, acting a full fighting Let's give Dak Prescott an XL, even though he walked it back, but he gets an XL bowl, stainless steel bowl of the smelly, smelly varieties for applauding the fans that were throwing stuff at the officials. You can't, oh, God, I know you were in the heat of the moment and you walked it back, but I know that wasn't sincere and shame on you. As I talked about, like the idiots in Everton, speaking of all those fans, they get an XL bowl as well. For, for You can't throw stuff at people. Somebody's going to get seriously hurt. You know, right? Either, as I've said before, you're either going to maim somebody or they're going to come in the stands and beat the living F out of you. Stop it, people. I said the Everton fans, yeah. Also, 
I want to give Charlie Woodson. Yeah, I forgot to mention that bad call in the Bengals game, but the Bengals would have scored. The Bengals were the better. The Raiders. Carr shows why you have doubts, because he couldn't get it done, okay? Stop whining about that. But, you know, Charlie Woodson's saying that the NFL, the Raiders should demand the rematch. Well, the Raiders didn't get a rematch for the Tuck game. I doubt they're going to get a rematch for this one either. Obviously, because we're watching the Bengals right now. Come on, Charlie, stop being a little baby. Uh, okay, we get a we'll give a we'll give a stainless steel bowl out to UCLA's coach Mick Croning, whining about playing in front of no fans when there's eighty thousand people for the Rams game. Well. You're playing indoors for one, and you uh, with the college age pop, um, right? You you have a college age population as far as your most of your fan base. Wouldn't you want them to be safe, Mick? And we are in a pandemic still. Yes, you. I can understand your frustration, knowing that there's people in SoFi not wearing a mask, but. Those are the protocols that are set up, that are allowed. You have to go with that. You can't be complaining in a pandemic about not playing in front of fans, especially when your program was shut down for weeks. Come on, man. Bad optics. Uh, we got to give a stainless steel bowl out to Nets assistant coach David Vanterpool, slapping the pass away. Give a, a stainless steel bowl to the referees that didn't catch it. I mean, he apologized, saying it was in the heat of the moment. I get that. You know, but still, come on, man. I mean, that's like some Tomlin shit, you know, sticking your foot out and tripping somebody, man. Come on, man. What are you doing? Um, We're going to go outside of sports for a moment. We're going to give one to journalist Laura Logan. Yeah, that Laura Logan, now on Fox, for comparing Dr. Fauci to, to the Nazi Dr. Mingle. <laughs> come on, Joseph Mingala. Really? Really, Laura? No wonder you got censured for that. Also, we're going to give one to AHL player from the San Jose Barracudas, Christoph Bix. He gets 30 games for a racist gesture towards Boku. I can't even try to pronounce his last name. But, hey, you get two stainless steel bulls. Knock it off with this racist nonsense. Come on, man. And then lastly... Nate Hobbs, yeah, you know, right? Giving folks one more reason to, to question why the Raiders are in Vegas or any team. Another fool, what, after your DUI, after what happened with Briggs and other people, you're driving around 120 miles an hour on streets in Vegas? What the F? Okay, folks, it's time for me to get into a little bit of football nonsense as I see that... Uh, the Bengals have just, I mean, the Titans have just scored, so not sure if that affects this touchdown or not. But um, anyway, great show, folks. I know I was all over the place. A lot of cool things are going to be happening in the foxhole in the weeks to come. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends. Stay safe. Like you said, you know, chewing on those um, clear and cream. And HGH, like it's going out of style, still a problem. Everybody I know, it seems like, had COVID this past week. So be safe, everybody. We'll see you in about, you know, six, seven days or so. Till then, be cool.